talked about it more than anything else in the Bible. You think it was heaven, repentance, maybe prayer, salvation. The thing he talked about most, more than all those other things, is money. Isn't that interesting? You add up the passages, and that one comes out on top about how many times Jesus talked about it. Some people think Jesus never talked about money, but he did a lot. Now, why did he do that? He must have known that if he had our money, he had our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we want you to have our hearts and our whole lives. We pray that your Holy Spirit would um, lead us to a better place. God, there's so many um, concerns when um, a preacher starts to talk about money, but Jesus, we remember that you did it a lot. And I pray that the right spirit of love and generosity would be here today, and I pray that everyone would know it's, it's just whatever they want to give from their hearts, God. That's what you're looking for, is joyful hearts that are generous. And we just pray you'd uh, lead us further on, Lord, to, uh, to a higher plane in this, this generosity we speak of. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to talk about giving today. And today's sermon is meant to prevent a terrible disease called cirrhosis of the giver. Have you ever heard of that? It's where the hands get paralyzed when an offering plate goes by and they can't move at all. So we want to prevent that. In 2 Corinthians 8, 7, it says, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. Isn't that a great passage? God wants us to excel in the gracious act of giving. Three thoughts I have on this today, three points I want to share with you. The first is, we don't own anything. Now that might upset some people, but in actuality, we don't own anything. We're just the stewards of God's money. Let me explain. Matthew 25, 22, we see a servant of the Lord, and it says, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. Now, we think of talents as, as you know, gifts inherently we have. That's money in this passage. A talent is money. It's, it's, a, it's coins. It's, it's currency. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So there we see a steward that was giving something to do he, he did it well with what God gave him, and he was blessed because of it. Did you know that the enemy of your soul, the enemy of my soul, wants us to fixate on how others want our money instead of the fact that God wants you to be a good steward with his money that you have in, his, in your hands? Look again at First Chronicles 29. They built the temple, and amazing gifts have come in in this passage And David speaks and says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. So it's all his. Everything we have in our hands is still his. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. Where do they come from? Where does your wealth, where does your honor come from? It comes from the Lord. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now our God... We give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously? You'll see that word generous show up again and again. It means, uh, to be generous means to give more than people would have expected. It's a pleasant surprise. And then it says this, everything comes from you. Everything comes from God. 
and we've been given only what comes from your hands. Let's see if I can illustrate this a little bit. When my son Aaron was a teenager, we were at McDonald's, the family was, and uh, you know, that was about the time where I started realizing I couldn't have as many burgers and fries as I wanted to have, so I was trying to cut back, so I wouldn't order fries, but uh, Aaron had, when we sat down, one big fry just hanging off there with salty and looked so good, and so I just reached over to get it, and my hand got slapped. And I looked at Aaron, this teenager of mine, and he said, that is my fry. I said, really? And I'm thinking, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out, son. <clears throat> but I said, uh, you know who bought these fries, right? And he looked at me and said, that's my fry. But here's the deal. I paid for those fries. I gave him those fries out of the goodness of my heart because I wanted to do it, and and he saw it as his. We're not unlike that as, as God's children sometimes. We have money in our hands and we go, hey, this is my money. And God's going, really? That's yours, huh? You're not really aware that I gave you that. Well, we're stewards of what he puts in our hands. Deuteronomy 8.17 he did all, those, all this, it says, so you'd never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. We talked about the common grace of God on all of us last week. Even your talent and ability to make money, where'd that come from? Came from God. He inherently put it in you. He, he stamped it into your life if you have that ability. Verse 18, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful. So we gotta be careful about our prideful thought that would say um, we're the ones who've created this wealth this is my money because we're just stewards of his money second thought today good stewards carry out their master's directions right because your master would give you directions. our master is God the father through Jesus his son 1 Timothy 6.17 shows us the way he wants us to be with the money that he put into our hands. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. And you say, I'm not rich. If you look at the standard of living in this world and you, and you look at the, the median or the mean, you are wealthy. Uh, if you have an apartment and one car, you're in the top 1% in the world when it comes to having and, and so we don't think of ourselves that, right? Because right? we put the standard of poverty as $19,000 a year or, or, or so in America. For that's what the government sets it at. Really? I mean, that, you say, well, that's not very much money. Have you been to other countries lately? When I was in Cambodia, if you make a couple hundred thousand, or rather a couple hundred dollars a year, you're, that's normal there. And, and um, so, so these are things that we don't think of, but here's what it says. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. I think one of the blessed, blessed things about giving is realizing that God truly takes care of me when I follow his will. That I don't have to worry if I'm following his will and he's speaking in my heart and I'm, I'm giving the tithe and I'm giving the, to the places that he's moving my heart for his purposes, I don't have to worry about whether to take care of me. And you can't know that unless you give. Unless you can get there, you can't see the provision come where you say, wow, look what God did. 
Tell them to use their money to do good, to be rich in good works to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. By doing this, you'll be storing up treasures in heaven as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. The best stewards are those who love their master and they want to do well with the assignments that they're given. We're stewards. An unfaithful steward is a pain. When you give someone something and you ask them to deliver it and they won't deliver it, it's painful. We experienced an unfaithful steward just this week. It was kind of weird. A few years ago, we were vacationing in California and uh, we left a couple pillows at a friend's house. And she said that she sent them to us in the mail. And after two or three weeks, we said, well, we don't know what happened to them. Well, we live on a block where they have one of those big metal boxes and you have to have a key to open up for bigger packages. Come to find out this week, there was a new mailman in town and evidently our pillows had been locked away in a lockbox right outside our house for three years. <laughs> three years. We're going there, opening the box and getting all of our mail, but we never know. Right there. It's my favorite pillow that works perfectly for my (laughs) sleep. I don't know what that silly postman was doing for three years. I don't know if he lost the key. I I don't know if he thought it would be funny. I don't know what he was thinking. All I know is he didn't deliver the package and make it known where it should go the way he should have. So someone who needed something didn't get it. Now let's think of ourselves. Let's think of ourselves now as givers. Um, the FedEx guy. He's given a package to deliver. What if he grabs the package? This is even worse than, than, than being, being a derelict postman. What if, he, what if he takes the package, opens it up and says, man, I kind of like this. That's nice. I think I'll keep it for myself. Now that's more what people who don't give the tithe and the offerings are doing. And you say, that's kind of harsh, Pastor Stan. Listen, one of my commitments to the Lord is to preach the word the way it says it. And here's what it says in Malachi 3 about the tithes and the offering. It starts with this, will a man rob God? What? You have robbed me by keeping the tithe and the offering for yourself. Holy cow, that's, that's straight ahead, isn't it? I didn't make those words up. They come from Bible. So we're opening the package and saying, I really like this. I think I'll keep it for myself. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. The opposite would be Proverbs 11.24. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. This is a matter of trusting God, isn't it? All these things that I speak of today. By the way, I never look at the ties and uh, uh, records here at the church. I haven't for 19 years. And one of the reasons is that's not why I preach. I just, I'm just a deliverer of the, of the word and truth. I don't know. The only people I know if they pay tithe, and I don't look at the records, but I ask, is if they're in a key leadership position in the church. And I'll say, do they tithe? before we get deep into the process. Because if they don't, they're not going to get that key leadership position in our church because we want generous, loving people who can help others understand these truths and these principles from God's word. 
and help them get there because it's not only a blessing to the church. And that's, that's really the problem with our thinking when we think it's about the, the church. Listen, the Lord set it up to bless his church, to, 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 to pay his preachers, or in those days the priests, uh, to pay the bills. Uh, but, but, he, but he wants people to know that it's really about you being blessed and him being Lord of your life. Because blessing flows from giving as well. The master's plan for money. Let's look at it. What are the things that the word of God asks us to be involved in and do? I've been speaking a little bit about one of them, the tithe. Did you know Jesus affirmed tithing? People say it's not in the New Testament. Listen, here's where you have really solid doctrine. If you're, you know what doctrine is, to, to accurately divide the word or to, to see what it really truly says. And you can't just snag one passage because you can make the Bible say anything you want it to say if you snag one passage. But if you look at it in its totality, you'll find the truth and the balance of what God is saying. So you heard me say Malachi 3. Maybe you said, well, that's an Old Testament passage. Well, here's Jesus. He's talking to some people, some priests who aren't very spiritual. And he says, you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. So he's saying those are really the most important things, and we will agree. But then Jesus said this, you should tithe yes. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. And the really solid doctrines when you have Old Testament that says it, the New Testament that says it, and Jesus said it. Now you've got the most solid doctrine and one of the most solid doctrines you can find in the Bible. Tithing was practiced with the New Testament church. You see it in Hebrews 7. It says this, here mortal men receive tithes. That was the New Testament church where that was happening. As a matter of fact, if you look in history, not the Bible, but history, you'll see that all throughout history, in those first few hundred years after Jesus uh, cru- crucified and wrote, was, was risen, had risen, uh, you'll find that history records that the church, they were tithers. There were teachers talking about tithing historically in those settings. And here's that passage, Malachi 3. I want to I w- I read it for you here. It says this. Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You cheated me of the tithes and offerings due me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes to the storehouse. Now what's the storehouse? That's speaking of a place where grain was, was, uh, was stored, and, and the storehouse is the place that spiritually feeds you. That's what the storehouse would be. Bring it so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Now here's a promise from the Lord. I know it's hard to get there. And I just want to tell you that I have tithed all my Christian life. I truly believe in this. I'm not just saying this to, to, to help the church. I know it will help the church. That's God's plan. But when, when I wasn't a pastor, I tithed. When I was a little guy, my dad taught me, you, you need to know, son, that if you don't tithe, you won't have as much. I mean, that's the way my mind thinks. I truly believe that. Now listen to what it says. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room for it. Try it. Put me to the test. This is the only place in the Bible where God says, put me to the test. There's only one spot, and it's right here. Test him. Tithe. See what what he'll do. Your crops, he says, this is what happens. 
This is them. Your crops will be abundant and I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. What does it mean for God to guard you from the insects and disease? As a matter of fact, the King James says, uh, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And there's a sense that it's not just insects and disease. I think it's more accurate to say that the enemy has free access to, to hit you. You don't have the covering of the Lord over your finances. And this is a covering. God says, I want the 10% is mine. I want you to give that first. It comes off the top, not off the back, if you have enough. And by the way, do you know what tithe means in the Hebrew word here? It means 10%. So you can't tithe 3%. That'd be like saying, I'm going to 10% 3%. What? It doesn't make sense. And the Greek word for tithe is 10%. The word means 10%. That's what the tithe is. And he says, I'll rebuke the devourer or I will guard your, your life and your crops from insects and disease. So what are, what are the insects and disease that God will guard us from? It could be the loss of a job. I know some of these things could happen when you tithe, but I'm telling you, they happen less when you tithe. I totally believe this. If I'm a heretic, I'm going to go to heaven to meet Jesus, believe in this, and, and maybe he'll help me when I get there, but I'm pretty sure it's true. It could be extra auto repair expenses. There's a place in the Bible that's intriguing to me um, where God says to the people, you've neglected my house and my temple, and you're looking after your own material needs. And then he said this, you have holes in your purses because of that. What? So you may make a lot of money, but what happens if you have a hole in your purse? Just, you're making it, you're making it, you're making it, and it just flies away. It's just gone. House maintenance, extra things could show up. Now these, these are my, I'm throwing this in here. Appliances could break down more often. Healthcare related expenses could be greater. Those could be things that, that are like insects and disease that devour. And here's the, the promise from God in Malachi 3. If you will give God the tenth, he'll make sure that the other 90% gets you more in the end. Now that requires faith. From a guy who's tithed all his life, I absolutely believe that's true. I've taught it to my kids since they were little. I still talk to them about this. They do it. I am a believer in this because I want them to be blessed. I'm standing here today because I want you to be blessed. Why can I say this without too much fear? I have a little bit, but without too much fear. Because I really believe that that will happen for you. Someone says, well, what about a single mom who's on a fixed income and she, she can't meet her bills? Listen, bring the first fruits. It doesn't matter if you have billions or hundreds. Give God the tithe. You're not going to make it anyway. Why don't you put your finances under his covering? Why don't you let him have a chance to help you and meet your needs? When we're faithful in giving this way, the Bible states that our crops will be large and God will keep those insects and plagues away. Now, I want to read a um, testimony to you. Normally, I do them anonymously, uh, but I, I think every now and then you can, you can do this um, as an encouragement to the body. But um, Dave, I want you to raise your hand over here. Just raise your hand. I asked Dave. He told me a story last week. Uh, and I said, Dave, would you write that down for me, man? That, uh, next week in my sermon, I think this would really be an encouragement to people. So here's, here's Dave's letter that I requested. But he, he shared this story before I requested it. And I thought, oh, man, that's good. Dear Pastor Stan, as you know, 
My wife passed away uh, in 01, 2001, and went to be with Jesus. And he loved his wife, Mickey. She was, she was a great lady, and he really loved her. Before that, he said, we discussed tithing many times, but she couldn't see how we could do it. So after she died, I did two things. I started tithing, and I had to file bankruptcy because unbeknown to me, she had taken care of the bills and had run up a credit card debt of $130,000. Now, 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 she was a great lady in so many ways, but she, didn't, she had struggled tithing, and she ran up $130,000 in bills. Dave said, I had no cho- choice. I had to file. Now, 11 years later, that's all behind me. My credit is now A1. I'm still tithing and giving to missions. So he started tithing right away. I now give 25% of my fixed income back to what I call God's work. I like what you call it. God continues to bless me and nothing in my house breaks down. In fact, I kidded Pastor Alex a few months ago. His lawnmower had broken down so I told him he could borrow mine. It's insured by giving to God and it will probably run forever. I read that and I thought, what, Pastor Alex doesn't tithe? (laughs) I don't know the deal, but I think he tithes. I think when you tithe, the Lord gives you a friend whose lawnmower runs sometimes too. I learned from giving to God that it's not only rewarding, but it's a great comfort to know I'm helping people all over the world. So here's a brother that's in a wheelchair on a fixed income giving 25% and changing the world. Here's a brother who was once in debt, $130,000, and we say, I can't, and he says, well, I hope, I hope you'll hear my story. Bring the tithe. Notice in that passage that it says, the tithe and the offering, they're not the same. The tithe is 10% from the top, the offering is beyond the tithe. So you say more than 10%, Anything other or more than 10% has to come from your heart out of generosity because the Lord moves you. But as you grow in the Lord, I'm telling you, it might surprise you, but there are 50 or 60 people in this place right now who've wanted to stand up and say hallelujah, amen five times because they understand the truth that I'm sharing with you. They've lived it out and they know that it's such a joy to, to do these things and have the Lord's come. But let's talk about the offering beyond the tithe. Because, I mean, this is, this is moving on in maturity in the Lord. The Bible talks about giving to the poor and the needy. Proverbs 14, 21, blessed are those who help the, the poor. Proverbs 19 17, 19, 17, if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord and he will repay you. I, for some reason, I just love that. Lending to God. I'm, I'm not even giving it away, ultimately. Like it said in First Chronicles 29, we've only given you what's come from your hand. He will repay you. Proverbs 22, 9, generous people will be blessed because they share their food with the poor. We had a one day to feed the world offering um, at Easter. Do you remember that? We took one offering in our services. And I had been to Haiti and uh, Convoy of Hope is doing such a great work feeding nearly 60,000 people on that island who were poverty stricken after the earthquake. And you, on that Sunday, Sunday, it was actually a Saturday night and, and a Sunday morning, this church gave $39,000 to feed the poor. Every penny of that offering 
went to feed the poor and the hungry. 2 Corinthians 8.12 says, Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. That's what happened. We all were encouraged to bring an offering, our best offering, to help the poor. And together, collectively, we were able to make an impact. The guy, the national guy from Convoy of Hope called me and said, your church is a champion church. Honestly, I thought with all the large churches across America that give to this, I just thought would be, you know, I thought it was good. But the, the national leader called me to say thank you. I'm so grateful to be a part of a generous church with generous people who care about the poor. Here's another thing in the Bible that periodically shows up, building projects. Did you know that's in the Bible? I hear people complaining about these things sometimes. It's stuff's in the Bible like this. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles 29.3. And now because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I'm giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This, in addition to the building materials I've already collected for his holy temple. That was David. Verse 6. Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, generals and captains of the army, and the kings of administrative officers all gave willingly... They were building the temple of God. The people rejoiced over the offerings that, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord and King David was filled with joy. Periodically, God will call a people to build his temple or to build, I'll just call it what it is, facilities. Facilities facilitate what? Ministry. And God needs building sometimes. And so he'll just work through his people. And we think... <clears throat> This is one of the reasons I think our church is generous. I think it started way back when we made tremendous sacrifice to move to this campus. People sold cars and houses they gave for three years and three and a half million dollars was given over a three-year period. I can tell you that missions and giving to the poor increased exponentially after that because we gave sacrificially and what happened was we realized in the end when it was all done that we didn't lose anything that the Lord restored, that the Lord blessed, that we lay treasures up in heaven. And when you've given a lot, when the Lord's moved upon your heart, and then you see him move as a result, when it comes time to give again, you're at a different level as a giver. You're at a different level of trust. And I think our church went to another level when God called us to that. We've got more to build as we go forward. Right now, there's a building that we're working on behind the scenes. <clears throat> and we need millions of dollars. If we're going to do it, you say, why are you doing it? Because we feel God's calling us to it. Because we feel like he's establishing something that, that more and more people are going to come to and, and more and more students in the high school are going to be blessed with. And I just like you, I'm not asking for any given, but I just like you to pray with me that the Lord would bring forth those resources that are needed uh, that, that for, to build what he's calling us to build because we see in the Bible, he calls people and works to do that. Here's another area. I'm just kind of sharing the areas of giving in the Bible so you can have a well-rounded viewpoint, not just the tithes, but the offering. Another area for giving offerings is missions. 2 Corinthians 8, we see that a church did well. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. So, so there's churches giving to missions. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it, for their, they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege, privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. One of the greatest days in our history happened about a year ago for this church when we all brought our offerings 
and put them at the foot of the cross for Remember New, building that home that would house young ladies that would be rescued from sexual trafficking in Cambodia. I was so deeply moved. As a matter of fact, there's a man visiting with us and he watched little kids bring their offerings, right? Because some, some, some kids gave $200 in that offering. Hearts, hearts were moved. And one lady who works with, with the building of these homes said to me that she was so moved as a, a four-year-old put their offering down because she thought, wow, here's a little child delivering little children in Cambodia. Something seems right about that, doesn't it? And you gave sacrificially. And in one offering, $163,000 was given. That is amazing. You did that. You're so generous and so loving. We've purchased that land. They're looking to secure a builder right now. As a matter of fact, we have a youth team going to Cambodia. Thursday they leave. I wish you'd pray for them. 20, 20 people from our church heading over there. They're going to get to see the land that we purchased. And, and pretty soon our teams that are going over there because we go on a regular basis are going to see the facility that's built and be visiting the girls that are, that are in that facility. And that's That's missions. And you give well uh, beyond that. Let, let me see the slides if we can. I just want to show you something because people don't know what, what, we, um, what we do. Actually, there's a couple churches I noticed when I checked this this morning, a couple churches that we help in the Portland area that aren't on that list in Portland. So there's actually more than it says. But these are just places that we help. Let's, so that's the Portland area. Everybody you see on this list, we give one to $500 a month to uh, from this church, okay? Uh, that You see... Uh, in Oregon where we give, and in America that we give, you can see Donnie Moore, and then internationally, just look at these countries, man, we're in, we're in Spain, and Kyrgyzstan, I believe is the way you, you, you say that, I, I, I can get the stand part, uh, and then in, international, China, and Chile, and Mozambique, and Guyana, and, and Africa, and, and keep going on, these are people that we, that we support, Romania, Poland, Cambodia, um, all across the world, keep, keep going, there's, there's more, Swaziland, uh, D.C., Mark Powers, who works with rulers and princes and kings all across the world, and Portugal, and medical missions, and on and on, you can, you can see that we're everywhere blessing the work of God, building people up, and we believe in helping these brothers and sisters who've given their lives to serve in these countries, and every dollar we give is translating to souls. We believe in that, and we love it. So I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to assess our giving corporately. I don't know about your giving. I really don't. I can look you all in the eye with a smile no matter what you give because I don't know what you give. It's between you and the Lord. But let's assess our body now. How are we doing as a church giving? When it comes to the love offerings that I mentioned earlier, like, like we did to feed the poor, I think we're doing well. I'm, I'm really proud of what you're doing. When it comes to missions, like we're seeing, did you know that our overall missions giving for this year, if you tabulate everything up there and all of our special offerings, right now it's $490,000 this year. It's the best year we've ever had in giving. It's going to be about $550,000. Our, our year goes from... Um, our financial year goes from August to September, or September to August, because of the school. So, but, but in that time frame, coming up to August when it ends, we'll be over $500,000. That's, that's over ha about half of our budget 
for the church. About 50% of our overall budget. That, you're doing pretty well. We're grateful. We want to do better, though, because we, we, we have known and discovered the blessing of the Lord for churches that do this. Well, how about the building projects? I think, I think we've done great on that. We didn't do anything this year because we didn't need to do anything for, for, for building. But in the past, this church has been incredible and you have stepped up. And I believe the Lord would say to you, well done. Some of you have secured stuff for students that I spoke to last Sunday night that are graduating. They don't know you, but you changed their lives because you created a place that they could come to by giving. Then how are we doing on the tithe? Okay, I'm just gonna be poppy here for a moment. Doing great on all the others, not so good on the tithe. We're doing great at giving beyond ourselves, but we don't necessarily have a fellowship that truly, completely understands the principle of the tithe for the storehouse. These are small things, but I have to worry about these things. If you look at, last year we couldn't paint the whole building, so we painted one wall on the other side that was the most weathered. This year, if you go by this wall, it's $12,000 to paint that wall. You wouldn't think so. But we can't do it this year. And it's not huge. You know, we can have a little rust and have the doors look bad, but this is the house of the Lord, right? And, and, and the deal is, if we pay the tithe, we can reach out in ministry, we can take care of the temple of the Lord, and that's the, that's the way God planned his financial structure so his church and his people would be taken care of. Matthew 6, 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That last line is a, is a significant line. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If I could look at your checkbook or the balance of your monthly bills, I could tell you where your treasure is because your money's going there. I could tell you what's most important to you. I was thinking about this and... Um, you know, we have kind of a role reversal in our house. I like to shop and spend money, and Karen, she likes to shop, but she doesn't want to spend money. And, um, but when I'm somewhere with her, or I see something, I always want to give her more. I always want to do more for her than she wants done for herself because I love her so much because she's a treasure to me. And so that's, that's where I, I, I want to give freely. And when I go to the mall with Candace, my daughter, I am such a sucker. My wife doesn't want me going that much with her. <laughs> I just love her and I want to bless her. And when my son is looking at new studio equipment that he wants to get because he does uh, 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 recording studios, um, I, I just want to help him get the stuff. Why? Because I really love those three people. And you could see that my heart is towards him because a lot of my treasure goes that way. His treasure goes that way. But if you looked at my finances, you'd see the number one place that it goes is into the kingdom because I love him more than them. And I love them a lot. Where your treasure is is ultimately where you give the money. My hope today is that God would help us. Help us to see that he wants to bless our lives and build his kingdom. Do you know the, the, the main theme of the New Testament? I, I, I bet most of you haven't noticed it, but it's all through there. You see it over and over and over again. The kingdom of God. 
That's the main theme of the New Testament. Build the kingdom of God. Over and over, Jesus said it, the kingdom. And so as we go through life, our, our main purpose is, 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 as believers in Jesus Christ is to build his kingdom. That's when people come to Jesus. That's when the poor are taken care of. That's where he is seen in an amazing way because he works through his people who do what he says and Jesus is magnified. And that's what this was about today, building the kingdom of God. And along the way, you'll find that the most blessed life you can, you can live is, is to be a generous giver and a steward of God.